Hello guys and welcome to the Peaks and Valleys podcast. On this podcast, we talk coffee, culture, and mental health. I'm your host, Jonathan Coggins, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kyle Ridgely. What's up guys? My name is Kyle. So glad you're joining us and I hope you enjoy this episode. What is up, Peaks and Valleys fam? Welcome to another episode of the Peaks and Valleys podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Coggins, and I'm joined always by the one and only Kyle Ridgely. What's up? Today on the podcast, we're talking about something that personally me and Kyle have had to sit on for a little bit. Um, Me and him have some conversations Pray, pray through some things, um, research critically think, and just, um, and so we, we think it's necessary to do this, we think we're ready um, to really tackle this and talk about it. A few foundational disclaimers for you guys listening out there. Um, this is not an attack on any one person or group, um, Trump supporter, a Biden supporter, um, this is simply to shed some truth, um, some light, um, and, and how the church can move forward. Um, but I, I believe in order to move forward, we can't just gloss over wrongs. Um, we need to be, bring truth and light to these things. And we, we have to speak plainly about these things. And so that, that's what we're, our heart is, that that's what we're um, reaching to do with this episode. And so the the first point I want to talk about is how did we get here in politics as the church? Um but more importantly, how do we how has that gotten us to January sixth? The the insurrection and the siege on the capital of the United States of America by Trump supporters to overturn democracy. Um, I've, I've seen a big move from the evangelical church to gloss over and disregard character of those that hold public office. Um, it, and it seems a large part of the church has abandoned that with Trump. In 1998, the Southern Baptist Convention put out a resolution about character for those who hold public office. Um, And and a couple of points I want to read from this resolution. Um, It says, Some journalists report that many Americans are willing to excuse or overlook immoral or illegal conduct by unrepentant public officials so long as economic prosperity prevails. That would be my first kind of question to at what cost at what cost were we willing as the church to prop up Trump as the savior to America and religious freedom and you know gun ownership or pro-life in America and just gloss over his immoral character his divisiveness his rhetoric that he spews um and and i would even say especially when it comes to 
um, people of color in America. Um, just just speaking plainly and truthfully about that. Um, the second point I want to point out is um, a tolerance of serious wrong by leaders sears the conscience of the culture, spawns unrestrained immorality and lawlessness in the society, and surely results in God's judgment. So taking that and thinking about January 6th, um, and, and we're going to get more into this point in a little bit, but, you know, the election fraud and conspiracy theories, I believe, have, have been a big motivator in what happened on January 6th, um, coupled with Trump's divisiveness and, and rhetoric, and, and, and we have prophesied about that. We have um, applauded the divisive rhetoric. We have propped him up as, again, the savior to, you know, all these things in America. Um, and it resulted in January 6th, where that not being the majority of people that have voted for Trump, but majority his base did that insurrection. Whether that be white supremacists or QAnon or... Um, all these far-right extremist groups, they, they, they are Trump supporters. They are Trump's base. Um, we have to speak plainly about that and not try to deflect or, you know, cast blame on Antifa, which has already been debunked. Um, this was majority Trump supporters. And, and a large part of the church has, has fed this narrative. And we have to be honest about that. We, we just really have to be honest about his character and and how a large part of the church dropped the ball by propping him up the way we did. Kyle, what are what are some of your thoughts about that um, characters in public office? Um, some ways you may have seen that we've the church has failed in that area, um, and with Trump and you know how that collides with January six. Like, what are some of your your thoughts on that? Well, I first want to preface and start with saying um, that no one was expecting what happened on January 6th. Um, I wasn't expecting what happened uh, to happen. Um, I was daily just getting up in the morning, doing my normal routine. Um, I had a, a haircut appointment. I was getting a haircut, and the barber was like, hey, did you know there's storm in the Capitol? And this was around lunchtime uh, on January 6th, and I was like, what? 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 And I didn't even really think about what does just that mean? There was a, there's, they stormed the Capitol. Um, and as I, you know, was on my way home and I had, a had time to actually sit down and watch these images uh, that were coming over uh the news whatever uh, i think i was watching facebook and some news feeds came up and uh just seeing some of the images that were being played and i just remember um feeling kind of uh awestruck that this would have happened today of all days when we're less than t-minus two uh weeks away from uh the inauguration and just seeing this unfold before my eyes was uh, was just it was it was horrifying. It really was horrifying to see how this 
this happened uh, from 2020 to now. And I think we have to go back and kind of look over uh, 2020 uh, and see really what has taken place to really lead up to this this whole uh, thing that we have here uh, that led up to a, a, a literal storming insurrection of the ca- our nation's capital um, and just all the things that have just been uh, kind of said and, and done and what I believe that the, the, some members of the church have perpetuated in a lot of ways um, that we have clung so firmly to an ideology. And we talk a lot about that on this podcast because ideologies uh, can be powerful. And I think that we can be easily swayed uh, by the wisdoms and the knowledge and, and, and things like that of the day. Um, I think that that's, that's, you know, Paul talks about it a lot in his letters about, you know, we can't rely on the wisdom a blow like here like because it is it is so enticing and it's so uh it's so uh, destructive and we we kind of cling on to these false beliefs if you will and they embed into our very belief about who we should be as christians who we should be as christ followers um and so i think that the trouble that we have here is that what i'm seeing is that we have placed our trust in whatever ideology, political system, or a person, uh, a, a political leader, we've placed our faith and our trust, and we have rooted um, ourselves in a particular uh, mode of thought. Um, and so I think that's dangerous for Christians because it, it comes down to a worship issue. Um, and, you know, we, we, we get worship mixed up a lot of times. We, we usually think that worship is a moment when worship is a lifestyle. It's not so much raising your hands and getting around all these other people and, and singing a worship tune or going to a worship concert or rally or whatever it may be. Um, but it is a lifestyle. Where is your heart rooted? And I think that uh, what has happened is that we've rooted ourselves in things that are not they're they're not sustaining uh they're not true um they're damaging they're destructive and through 2020 i've seen if you look at the church overall i've seen uh some of those some of those rhetorics come out some of those uh things that we've clung to uh some of those things that we've been rooted in for for quite some time about uh politics and country and what we wouldn't label as Christian nationalism um, has been pretty out in the open lately. Not that it hasn't been around or it hasn't, I mean, it's been around since I was a child. Uh, just remembering some of the education that I received, um, it was very rooted in Christian nationalism. Like, uh, this is a Christian nation and we shouldn't let anything else happen. And, you know, all these different things like we should stand. And yes, I, I'm, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be as the Bible calls us to be a city on a hill, uh, salt and light, we should be an influence to the world. But I think we've shifted to a place where we're no longer influencing, but we're becoming part of the problem. And I don't think that the church should be the part of the problem. They should be the solution. Um, and so we've kind of shifted ourselves in this kind of way um, to kind of be a part of that. And then there's another part of the church that really focused on what Christ has called us to be as the church. Um, and so I think there's this rift um, where you have some who are so focused, uh, you know, on the things that God has continued to ask us to do as a church. And you've had some who kind of 
slipped away in a sense that um, our brothers and sisters have kind of uh, been blinded. And and so I think that as as Christ follower, followers who may be uh, a little further along in the faith, maybe older, wiser, uh, should admonish our brothers and sisters who have become blinded. Um, that's a part of uh, being a Christ follower is bringing uh, sight to the blind. And blindness can be those who are believers and unbelievers. We can always, as believers, get blinded by something. And I think that reality is, is we've been blind for a really long time to a lot of the issues that have faced our day. Um, so yeah, yeah. Thanks for those. Thanks for those thoughts, man. That's good stuff. And um, really quickly to your point about you know not expecting it, or even the the Christian nationalism. First thought, I would I would go even to the point and say white Christian nationalism because first there's a Again, this is not to demonize anybody, but a large portion of the white church that refuses to address reconciliation amongst our, you know, black brothers and sisters or other people of color in America. And so we we have this whitewashed view of Christian nationalism. And, and, and you know, for some reason, you know, whenever you bring the word white into it, people's brains will shut off like you're you're calling me racist and like you know when when in reality that's that's not what you're doing you're simply saying hey there there's a there's a problem in America when it comes to racial issues and injustice and it doesn't make you a marxist to to acknowledge that it doesn't make you a social gospel warrior to acknowledge that you know um it, it means you have a softened heart to these things, you know, without caricaturizing everybody as racist or, you know, but there is a sense of a white Christian nationalist mindset, you know, um, and an example to that in, it was back in December, there, there's a prominent um, evangelical leader, um, it's kind of ironic that he, he wrote a book on um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, but he hosted a, a, it was called a Jericho Stop the Steal prayer rally, and it was just filled with Christian nationalism. Like, they had red, white, and blue um, shofars that they were blowing, and, like, just some crazy nonsense. And this is, these are people that call themselves evangelical leaders. And... I mean, they, there was rhetoric like, you know, we're going to shut this country down, talks about, um, from this prayer rally stage, talking about, you know, inciting the Insurrection Act, and like, you know, like, and the church is bought into it, you know, it's right in front of us, you know, um, but yeah, like that, that was just a quick point about your, you talked about Christian nationalism. I wanted to hit on that, that it is, it is infected our church. It has infected, you know, the minds of leaders in our church. Um, and so we, we can't just gloss over those wrongs. 
and you know those the Christian nationalism that affects our church. You know, um, next point I want to kind of jump to is talking about conspiracy theories, specifically QAnon, um, how the election fraud claims from Trump have been one of the heartbeats of this conspiracy theory, how it's dangerous. It, it's, it's been a, a harm to the church's witness, um, you know, and, and, you know, just, just the fact that we, we need accountability for these things. We need, we need these prophets that have prophesied Trump's win. I've, I've seen, I've seen few that have come out and apologized and repented. And I've seen a few that are still, you know, pandering to Trump and like, you know, moving the goalposts like 2024, like when we don't need a goalpost move, we need accountability, we need repentance, we need acknowledgement that we dropped the ball on this, you know. Um, and that's that's not hate of anybody, that's accountability to move forward, you know, to get our w- prophetic witness back in America, you know. Um, so what are... What are some ways you think, Kyle, that you know conspiracy theories and election fraud um, have have really damaged you know our witness in America? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, and and I think it, it really is difficult when we talk about conspiracy theories. I mean, I feel like this nation really has been there's been so many different conspiracy theories, and, and I think in America that have just permeated. Uh, for decades, um, I remember growing up watching the History Channel, and they're full and full of uh, documentaries and TV shows about conspiracy theories and government cover-ups. And there's all the—I mean, we're—I think we just live in a in a culture where conspiracy theories are the norm. Like we hear it, and they're like, "Oh, that makes sense." That well, I mean, I don't know. Like I think that we've permeated this culture for so long. I think that it's. It's not surprising that we would have some kind of idea or or theory out there that would uh, set people off. And I think especially with the year that we've had last year, I mean, there's a lot of unrest. There's a lot of hopelessness. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of already, I feel like, this this ur of secrecy. People don't trust uh, anyone, you know, and I think it it really... Uh, I think the the conspiracy theory that you're hitting on is is the QAnon conspiracy, um, and and Jonathan can hit on that more, like what that means and um, and and what that. I don't want to focus so much on that on this episode, um, but just the idea that, um, and, and we're specifically when when we're doing this podcast, we're specifically speaking to our fellow believers. Um, how how should we respond? In a time like this, how should we respond when it comes to these types of issues um, in a correct way, in the way that Christ would ask us to do so? Um, and I think when we start looking at conspiracy theories, it becomes a false belief in a sense. It becomes something that, like I mentioned before in this episode, it becomes a place that we're rooted in. Uh, we believe it so strongly um, because it just makes sense. It just makes sense. This just makes sense because all these things are happening and it's got to be this. This has got to be uh, the problem. And I think that a lot of times when things in our life are so messed up, so confusing, uh, so bent out of shape, 
uh, or there's things that happen that we don't understand, we always shift to want to blame someone or something. We, we want to blame uh, something for the troubles that we're facing today. And, and, that, and I think that's just a normal human reaction. We, we first respond with, well, whose fault is it and who, I, who can I ask questions to? Who can I, who can I ask the why to? And I think that, that that within itself has kind of permeated this idea that, okay, well, this is why our country is the way it is, or this is why the, our country is the way it is, or this is why. We could have many different ideas and theories out there for what's going on uh, under wraps. What, why are we in this time? But I think for my brothers and sisters in Christ, I want to encourage you uh, to say that it's a question that I would ask is, that can the church still be the church and can we still live out the gospel calling even if things like this are happening around us when there is confusion when there is a pandemic when there is uh, a turmoil when there is uh, fighting and quarreling and can can we still do that without hindrance and I believe yes we can uh, the church has lived up under bad times and good times uh, the church has lived up under uh, corrupt leaders and what you would call a great leader um, the church has lived up under pandemics the church has lived up under war and famine and pestilence and all the list of things can go on and on but how do we respond as a result of that. And, and I think that um, for, for my brothers and sisters who have bought into whatever's going on today, whatever uh, ideology or belief system that you've bought into that's contradictory to the gospel, I think it needs to stop. Honestly, and this is not meant to, to attack anyone, it's meant to admonish and uh, teach and reproof um, what I'm called to do as a, a follower of Christ. Uh, I, I really and honestly, how how are we doing that? How are we responding to this situation? How are we doing that? And so, I would I would surely ask uh, for us to look through and examine our hearts, examine where we have relied so much on a political leader. We've relied so much on an idea to explain what's going on around us when God has already explained everything we need for life and living it for him and his will. And that's his word. Um, he's already laid that out for us. Um, there's going to be times where we're going to face trouble as as individuals and as a church as a whole the big c church we're going to experience some of these things from time to time and i think that the reality is is that we as the american church have never really experienced what the rest of the world has really this is the i think the one of the first times where we really have um besides world war one world war two uh the spanish influenza but i mean in our lifetime uh I think that this is the first time we've experienced something where we're connected, the, the global church is connected in, in the same way and facing the same issue, which is the pandemic. Um, and so how how have churches responded in that way across the world? Um, and how should we do that together? And so I think that 
reality is is that we have to come back to a place of where is my heart rooted and i know i mentioned that earlier but where is my heart rooted um because oftentimes we cling on to those things that make us feel comfortable that make us feel like we have an answer we have the why behind what why something's happening but a lot of times we don't always have the why we don't always have the reason for why something is happening. And we have to trust that God is sovereign, meaning that he's in control of all things, that he'll work those things out. Now, I hear people all the time, they'll say, well, I do trust God. But the, the, the when you say you trust God, there has to be a, a kind of an action from that. It's like, what are we, what are we doing? Are we outburst go, going out and having random outbursts of anger with a fellow believer who doesn't believe the same way that I do um or are we going out are we feeding the hungry are we taking care of the widows are we taking care of the orphans things like that do you imagine just what it would look like in this season if the whole church in America did something about those issues and left politics to politics and left those issues to that to that particular people group or whatever or the political system because reality is our our country was founded on the 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 principle of the separation between church and state and i do believe that's an important point to raise in this episode is that the the government is in place for a reason god has instituted the government for a reason. He has placed those people in power for his own purposes. And we can't always understand what God's purposes are. And that's not always comfortable for us as people to hear that God's got this and he orchestrated this whole thing. Or he, you know, made it happen to where it would be a purpose behind it. And we don't always understand that in the moment. But we look back and we see, how did God, what did God teach me in this season? What did God teach me in 2020 you know what what did god teach me in this moment and so reality is that core issue separation of church and state i feel like we should leave the state to their own endeavors and i feel like we should (laughs) handle our own endeavors and 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 what the endeavor that we have is the great commission you know making disciples (laughs) sharing the gospel, baptizing, things of that nature, taking care of the widows, the orphans, the downtrodden, the least of these. That is our calling. That is our calling. And so leave it to that, that separation there. Um, And I think that people always ask, well, should we be involved in politics? Well, I think that we should all be involved in some way, somehow in our local governments, whether that might be sitting on a committee, whether that might be sitting in a town hall, whether that might be running for public office, a, a, a councilman, a councilwoman, um, a mayor. I do believe that Christians should put themselves in those positions to run for public office. Yes, I do believe that because we're called to be the light of the world. We're called to be salt and light, right? I mean, but don't think that because we can't change anything doesn't mean that anything's not changing. Doesn't mean that because we want this and we want that because that's not the way that we should live as a Christian nation. The, the argument with a Christian nation, it, it's, it's, there's a lot of nuance to it. We talk about that on this, 
There, there's a lot of layers to that. A lot yes, of layers. Our founding fathers would claim to be hold Judeo-Christian values. Yes. And our laws, our our constitution is aligns pretty well with scripture in a lot of ways and the, the laws and things like that that carry out. But it doesn't mean that anyone after that or the, the founding fathers were all right. Like they made all the great decisions. They made uh they they <laughs> they they were holy and they were we're supposed to hold them up on a pedestal when reality is is that they were man. And I think that comes back to another issue is that whether it's Biden in the office or whether it's Trump in the office, they're both men. They are both men capable of making mistakes, capable of of living a life just like we are. The only difference between us and them is that they are entrusted with a place of responsibility that we that we can't even fathom. And so I have conversations with people when they have these questions and I'm like, could you be president? Could you, you, you we say it all the time, like, oh, I could do it better, I'd do this, I'd, I'd clean house, I'd do this, I'd do this. But really when you're in that situation, you have no idea what the pressures of that position are. That's a lot. That really is a lot to think about. I mean, all the issues that you have to handle on a daily basis, you might not sleep all day. And it's a, a one thing after another, after another, after another. And you're trying to please all these different people. Uh, the general population, uh, the constituents, your, the Congress. You're, you're trying to work with all these different people. Could you honestly make decisions? Um, with Trump, would we complain that he didn't do as well as he could with the coronavirus? Well, granted, there were some areas probably that didn't, but he's a man. He had the information he had. Just like a, just like Biden has the information that he has, and you have to make a decision with the information you have at the time. Tomorrow it could change. So could you, as a person, say that I could change everything and make everything right? You know? So, I mean, I, I, that's what I kind of think is, is some of the main core issues that we have to address as believers is that separation between church and state, making an influencer in daily politics by running being involved voting things like that and then understanding that political leaders are men or women they're 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 people they're humans and they make mistakes so yeah man fantastic thoughts um two quick things i would add um before we break um is one you know when, when i think of unity in the church i think a lot of us We'll think, well, we, you know, think the same, we vote the same, you know. Unity doesn't equal uniformity, you know. There are people in our churches that voted for Joe Biden. There are people in our churches that follow the same Jesus that voted for Trump. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. That is okay. Um, the issue is when we start getting into our... our ideological echo chambers of whether it be you know abortion or injustice or climate or whatever when we start to stand on those issues so hard we we can't it's really hard to see the fact that unity isn't uniformity Mm. you know we're not all going to vote the same 
Um, and, and voting is simply just voting our conscience. You know, there may be one particular point that um, somebody aligned with Trump and supported, and they voted because of that. That's okay. There may be a certain point that, you know, they liked about, you know, um, Biden's platform that, you know, they voted for. That's okay, you know. Um, and so voting is not, hey, th- this is like the voice of God over America. Like, this is just somebody voting their conscience. Um, and that's okay. That's okay. We have to live together. Um, and so we have to find um, civil discourse and unity with this stuff. Um, I'll leave you with this um, this quote um, from David French. He's actually a conservative um, constitutional lawyer. He is a believer. And he says, If you argue that the very existence of the country is at stake, don't be surprised if people start to act as if the very existence of the country is at stake. With that, we'll be back from a quick break. And we are back. And before we broke, I left you guys with a quote by David French. If you argue that the very existence of the country is at stake, don't be surprised if people start to act as if the very existence of the country is at stake. For our next point, we're going to talk a little bit about um, conspiracy theories, um, election fraud claims, and and what does that quote have to do with this? Well, let's let's talk a little bit about QAnon and the harms of it, the the harms it actually does to the anti-trafficking movement and the people that are working with victims from human trafficking. So QAnon is a conspiracy that says there is a deep state, they call it the swamp, that there's elite people in politics, that there's a satanic ring of um, child sacrificial pedophilia people in politics. And Trump was supposed to be the person that was going to drain the swamp or expose these elites, etc. And the election fraud claims, which, hear me clearly, like I said, we have to speak plainly about these things. It's been proven false. The election fraud claims have been proven false in the courts. Trump went in front of his judges. We have to accept the fact that these false prophets were wrong about Trump, that that he lost, that Joe Biden legitimately, legitimately won. Does election irregularities and fraud happen in elections? Yes, it does. Did fraud on a mass scale by the Democrats and Joe Biden where they overturned the election in Joe Biden's favor when Trump actually won? No, that didn't happen. Um, my, my heart, my hope in saying this is that we draw some people back to reality, um, back into some rational thinking, because there has been some very irrational thinking around this. 
Um, and just knowing where the stress level of people's mindset is currently, especially with last year, this pandemic, racial strife, um, the mental health crisis is, is high right now. And these, these things have, are affecting people's anxiety levels, depression, um, people losing relationships over this stuff. And, and I'll just call it what it is. It's BS. It's, it's, it's not cool. And we, again, this is my heart in just being so kind of brash about it is I want people to come back to reality because I care. I want people to come back to a state of rational thinking. And and the reason that QAnon is just extremely out of the realm of possibilities, there's a couple of things. One, when I, I have some acquaintances and some friends that are in the anti-trafficking movement that, that work with victims that come out of human trafficking that across the board all say that this... QAnon conspiracy theory about the deep state and this um, child um, sex trafficking ring by the political elites is wrong. It's false. It actually damages the work that they do in the anti-trafficking movement. Um, We actually have a podcast episode in um, season one um, called Let's Talk About Porn Part 2 where we had um, Abigail Ernesty came on. Um, She is actually in the anti-trafficking movement. She does this for a living. And she shed some light on what human trafficking actually looks like. And so if, if you want to be knowledge and equipped for that, um, know the truth about what it, the anti-trafficking world looks like, go listen to that episode. Somebody that's actually doing this work, um, that's in the anti-trafficking movement, and you'll, you'll see just, again, from somebody that works in this field, that QAnon is wrong. Um, a second point in, in why just QAnon is just frankly crazy, it's, it's wrong, it's um, a false sense of reality. Sex trafficking and pedophilia is highly illegal in our country. And so the, the way that they expose or spread these things, there's an online um, form or platform where they do things called Q-drops and they have to decode these messages about, you know, these elites or these things happening in politics. And and my question is if if people know that this stuff is happening, knowing that pedophilia and and human trafficking is highly illegal in in our country, why don't you go to the authorities? Why don't you go to the police instead of posting a message on a board where you have to decode this message, why don't you just take this information to the authorities? Why don't you just... And and granted, majority of the, the things that QAnon um, has perpetuated and put out there has been proven false. And so there, there's a track record of falsivity in this conspiracy theory. And so we, we have to distance ourselves 
from conspiracy theories, we have to critically think, research, fact check. Um, we, we have to distance ourselves from this. And again, come back to the reality that the election fraud claim was was the heartbeat of this conspiracy theory is a big part of how what got us to January 6th people storming the Capitol people wanting to hunt down and hang Mike Pence this is dangerous stuff guys this is very very dangerous stuff and we have to come back to reality we have to just accept that Trump lost that Joe Biden won and just move on. Just move on. And and implement the things and do the things that Kyle said in our daily lives. How are we caring for the least of these? How are we caring for the orphan? If we talk about abortion so much, what are we doing to make an impact in that area? How are we caring for the orphan? Are we encouraging adoption? Are we partnering with um, local Women's pregnancy centers, meeting the needs there. What are we actually doing if we talk about these issues and care about them? What biblical, practical principles are we applying to make an impact? That's my question. And so, we, again, we we have to come back to reality from these things, from QAnon, from the election fraud claims, um, whatever your view is of you know, how big tech reacted or the impeachment. We can't deflect to those things, okay? We can't deflect to those things. We have to realize that we we have bought into some dangerous and some some bad things, and it comes back to our complete political alignment. Um, Not simply just supporting a candidate, voting, and then going home. Trusting God with the rest. Um, that's that's how we as Christians should navigate this. Um, is it okay to hold those whoever's in office accountable? Advocate for better policies of whatever you're passionate about? Yes, that is absolutely okay. But trust the sovereignty of God when you vote for Him to move, for Him to place in office who He has planned to be placed in office. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, everything that the Lord is doing in the earth, the the main goal is unto salvation. It's for His purposes. It's for people to be reconciled back to Him. It's, It's for the earth to be reconciled back to Him. Whether that's Trump in office, whether that's Joe Biden in office, it's all for His purpose. It's all for His purpose. We have to trust that. We have to get away from QAnon. We have to get away from these dangerous conspiracy theories. Um, Pray, vote, and go home. And be peacemakers in between. Um, Peacemaking doesn't always come with um, just simply laying down and, you know, being nice and not, not ever causing any kind of conflict... Um, peace comes out of conflict, and sometimes we got to, you know, tackle hard things and be truthful in these hard things. Um, but ultimately, I, I, I believe that's a, that's a good way forward. Um, pr- 
pray, vote, go home, um, trust God with the rest, still hold on to your convictions and your passions, try to move the needle in those areas if you feel led to, um, but it all comes back to trust God's sovereignty in all of it, in all of it. Kyle, I would love to hear your thoughts on QAnon before we move to um, our last point and kind of wrapping this up. Well, I, I kind of mentioned a little bit about uh, conspiracy theories and how they may, uh, the reasoning behind why we may believe certain things about conspiracy theories. Um, but really and honestly, with with QAnon, um, I'm not an expert in it by any means. I know the main premises of what the QAnon uh, theories, uh, conspiracy theories state. Um, but reality is, is you know, we, we need to come back to a place of foundation. Um, where is our foundation? I talked about that earlier in, in the podcast. Where are we rooted? Um, we wonder why there's so much strife and bubbling up of all these different things and the result of uh, the capital uh, storming because of this idea is because it those false beliefs and ideologies breed destruction they're empty they're void uh, there's there, where where is hope from that uh, there's no bearing hope what do we and I, and I think I see this a lot where uh, I watch YouTube and hear podcasts of people who are uh, very extreme. Um, on one area of this issue, uh, particularly to, to be on the affirmative or the agreeance with the conspiracy theories that are being stated today. Uh, a lot of times they breed the doom and gloom, but they do not give practical application on how we should respond to it in a, in a, in a healthy way. And I think that leaves us in a place where, where do we go from here? Well, if you if these things are true, then what are we supposed to do about it? Are we supposed to put our heads in the sand? Because that's basically what is being said here, is that the sky is falling and everything's coming to an end, but there's no practical application. So within itself, you're saying there is no hope. There, you know, we, we just need to hide and, 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 and go behind closed doors and, you know, doomsday preppers and, you know, all these different things. But it doesn't breed hope. It doesn't build up the body of Christ in any way because it doesn't give practical applications. That That's the void within conspiracy theories is that it breeds so much doom and gloom and despair and turmoil and strife and darkness that there's nothing left but that. And so I think we have to look at things today what is what does the bible say about any given topic today as a whole not bits and pieces and taking this scripture and taking that scripture because the bible is ultimately not an encyclopedia it is it is it is life it, it is as a christian it, it gives us all that we need to live a life to know god's will and to live a life that pleases him he's given us that why would we need to go search out all these other different things to figure out why the world, the way the world is? The reality is, Christian, the world is fallen. 
There is going to be wars. There's going to be famine. There's going to be strife. There's going to be darkness. There's going to be sin. There's going to be loss that's unexplainable. That is the world we live in. But in the midst of that world, who is in control? Who do we believe God is? Who is God in this particular struggle? He is constant. He is who he says he is, and he does what he says he will do. He always does. His promises are the same today as they were yesterday. They do not change. He does not change. And so when we look at this, it totally changes the narrative. As a Christian, if these things are happening in the world, then what is our response? How are we responding to God? And how are we responding to others? How are we doing that? Well, it starts first with understanding who God is. Who did he create us to be? What do, what's the world we live in? What, what, what is the solution to our problem? And so we have, to, we have to do that as Christians. We have to rely on that source, which is God. And if we are not connected with God, that vertical relationship is not right, than everything else. We talk about that in this this podcast over and over again because it's so important and it's crucial for our lives as Christians. You see what it does to us when we do falter from that. We will. Clint, Jonathan has, I have, we, we, get, we get led astray, but that's why the body of believers has been placed on this earth to reprove, to admonish, to lift up. That, that's the only way we're going to be able to accomplish this task that God has placed before us and with the power of the Holy Spirit. But he's placed the body of believers in, in place for that, for that very reason, to encourage. Because we get blind. We get blinders on and we, we don't see everything that's going on in our life. And sometimes we get led astray. And so I think it's important for us to remember, first and foremost, and I'll reiterate it again because it's so important, who is God in this struggle? Who is God, despite everything that's going on in this world today, who is God? And who? what is he doing? And what does he say? So. Amen. Great thoughts, man. Um, one, one thing I did want to, I forgot to add before we move on to our last thing and kind of wrap up, was that one, one thing that I've noticed that people in the church, Christians, that have, have bought into conspiracy theories or you know, QAnon or what, you know, what have you, and uh, the election fraud claimed by Trump, and, and are, are bending the knee, not, not necessarily only to Trump, but just to politics as a whole, you know, um, that being, you know, people's idol, like, we, we have adopted this view in politics as believers of pathological dualism, um, which which means you know there's there's my side and there's their side. There's my tribe. There's their tribe. There's my side good. Their side evil. You know, when in reality, when you know we remember how God interacts with His creation with us with humanity, there's holy God. And there's sinful humanity. Nobody meets the standard. Only through him are we made right. And so to you know, kinda of, to implement this this pathological dualism of like it's you know, my political party's good, we gotta fight against the evil across the aisle. 
instead of doing that, why don't we reach across the aisle? Trump voters, reach across the Biden voters and say, hey, I disagree with that, but you know what? I still love you. I disagree with that, but we can still be co-heirs in the work that God has called us to do on the earth. That's how we should, you know, interact with others, um, especially when we disagree in politics. And instead of this pathological dualism, like I said, like the tribalism, you know, my tribe, their tribe, you know, my side's good, their side's evil. And and, and I think, again, I, th- I think, you know, the QAnon, the conspiracy theory, um, you know, election fraud claims, like that has helped Christians get to that extreme of good good versus bad. There, there's mine's good, theirs is bad, you know. Um, and so that that's another big reason I say we need to distance from conspiracy theories. We need to um, uh, just walk away from the, the you know, the notion of election fraud and just um, move forward. Um, again, I'll go back to this. What How are we implementing... Um, in our lives as believers, the things that Kyle brought up, how are we caring for the least of these? How are we feeding the hungry? How are we caring for the orphan and the widow? Um, how are we living our lives right now um, to care for those that are hurting, um, to share the love of Jesus and the gospel with others, um, and just live our lives that way? You know, because ultimately, um, we're we're not we're not going to be a vote is not salvitic. A vote is not salvitic. You know, it, it doesn't, it's not the determination of our salvation. So, we gotta, we gotta move, move past this stuff. Last thing, um, and to kind of wrap all this up, is really how do we move forward? Where, where do we go from here? Um, on this conversation and politics and the insurrection and conspiracy theories. Um, a few things I, I want to say, um, and then Kyle, I want to hear your thoughts before we close out. Um, the first thing I would say is we need unity in this time. We need peace. We need peace. I, I've, I said it a couple days, you know, um, I think it was before, after the election on my Facebook, I was like, listen, there, there's no Christian vote here. There's no Christian party. A divided world needs to see a united church despite how you vote. Where we need that unity, we need that peace, we, we can't just gloss over wrongs for unity's sake. We can't just gloss over the fact that, you know, people false prophesied about Trump winning. Um, people perpetuated, you know, the narrative um, of election fraud and stop the steal and all this kind of stuff. And um, people have, you know, bought into the deep state and QAnon. Like, we can't just gloss over these things for unity's sake. Um, you know, I said it previously, accountability and admonishment brings unity. There is... It's, it's really hard to have peace in these situations without conflict, without some friction. Um, friction, speaking truthfully, um, speaking plainly about these things, I believe um, will bring peace, will bring unity. 
my net, my follow-up to that is how do we do that? How do we speak plainly? How do we speak truthfully? How do we call out these wrongs with grace, with compassion? Okay, um, you can't just speak truth for truth's sake. You need to speak truth, um, but we have to speak truth in grace. We have to speak truth with compassion, um, knowing, knowing. Jonathan could be the one that's led astray by conspiracy theory. Knowing that Jonathan could have been the one that was supporting Trump and, you know, um, saying the election was stolen and perpetuating these things. Knowing I, I could be in these very shoes, you know. Um, and, and also knowing, you know, the fact that I'm a sinner, that I fail. Um, and so it's something I, I, I say a lot. Um, the gospel compa- compels me to look inward to myself before I look outward. Um, and so when I, when, when, even though I know, um, on a lot of this stuff, like I'm speaking truth and stuff, I also have to know my heart, um, and, and my standing, um, even, you know, remembering before I started following Jesus, I was an enemy of God. Um, and just remembering those things, I, I think it really helps us to frame it from a place of grace and compassion. Um, saying, listen, I know you're wrong, but I'm going to serve you. I still love you. Um, and so, yeah, that that's kind of my thoughts on how do we move forward? Where do we go? we got to speak truth, um, but we got to do that truth and grace and compassion. Um, because we have to get to that unity. We have to get to that peace amongst um, ourselves as the church Um, and so we can model that for the world Um, the world that desperately needs it right now that needs hope um, that is that is depressed that is anxious that is struggling um, and it's mental health that is seeking identity Um, we 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 can lead the charge in this Um, we can lead the charge in this peace and unity so Kyle Final thoughts, um, thoughts on how do we move forward? Where do we, where do we go from here? Yeah. Well, I want to start with some practical application for everything we said, because I always want to give practical in these podcasts. We always give practical application to what we're talking about, because if we just talk all day, it's just conversational. We want to be practical because we're equipping people, uh, to, to walk alongside others, uh, to live a life that honors Christ. So I want the first point I want to make a practical step uh, that kind of pickies, piggybacks off of what Jonathan just said about that unity thing. And I was reminded of a uh, verse in Philippians chapter two, verse uh, one through eight, um, where uh, Paul is writing to the church of Philippi um, about uh, Christ's example of humility. And so I just want to read that here. Uh, just to give some encouragement and and understand how how do we how do we humble ourselves and and what it, what does that look like so uh, starting in verse one so if there is any encouragement in Christ any comfort from love any participation in the Spirit any affection and sympathy complete my joy by being of same of the same mind having the same love being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, 
which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though, was in form of God, but did not count equally with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So I'm reminded of that that humility and, and just that display that Christ did. He humbled himself even to the point of death on the cross. Even though he was fully God, fully man, he still put himself in that position. And we, we have to grasp that. When we talk about unity, when we talk about humility, putting, putting the self to the side a lot of times. Um, now, it doesn't mean that you let everybody walk over you. It does, it's not saying that. It doesn't mean that. But we're, we're taking a sacrificial approach when we respond to others. How are we doing that? So I think that would be one that I would say would be a practical uh, step was how are you living your life based on Christ's example and humility? Um, I think second would be what we talked about in this podcast is sitting down, thinking about, reading through scripture, remembering who God is, um, knowing who is God in this particular struggle, who is God in the midst of all these issues going on in our world, and the things that I struggle with or the things that I see around me, how am I responding to him what does he say he will do? What does he promise? Starting there, if he is sovereign, then we should understand that this is not mine to hold. We A lot of times we we hold on to things we were never meant to hold or carry. We do that a lot. And those things, we're, we're free. We're free in Christ. So why would we want to carry all these different things? Why would we want to trust in ourselves or our own wisdom or the things of this world to capture really and honestly what it means to live a life on earth as a Christian? Um, what are we doing in that? And so just understanding that first and foremost, that who is God in this particular struggle or this time? Um, third, I would say, um, how are you checking your heart? How are you taking the time to sit down and be with God and looking at scripture, reading it, having that time with him and kind of looking through your own life, uh, kind of a self-reflection um, and kind of building wells of remembrance, if you will. Um, I encourage you, uh, you know, it's something I struggle with all the time and I don't always do it and everybody always encourages me to, but get a journal. Um, journal, when I do do it, it is very beneficial. Um, and when I say that, Always use a journal as what we would say a well of remembrance because it's easy to forget what God has brought you through or what you've learned in a particular season if you don't write it down. It's really easy for us to forget that. So I would encourage you, take a journal and write about what happened in 2020. What did you learn? How did God show up? What did God do um, in your life in 2020? And how has he calling you to respond as a result of that. Um, maybe it's repentance. Maybe there's some things that you've been harboring. Maybe so there's some ideologies or beliefs, false beliefs that you've been holding on to uh, that haven't been giving him honor and glory. Uh, maybe there's things that you have caused, there has caused a rift, a rift in family relationships because of things that you may have said or done during this season. Um, maybe it's uh, it could be a number of things. Uh, so just, for, just I would encourage everyone to take that time, get a journal, and just r- 
process through what God showed you this year, and maybe he's still showing you um, in the days ahead. Um, and so I think, and lastly, I think that we should always remember how are we responding uh, to God and how are we responding to others? Loving God and loving others. How are we doing that? Changing that position, turning ourselves around and understanding how would God ask me to respond and then how he would ask me to respond to others. I think that's crucial in understanding. And then understanding the last point, and this is the last point I'll, I'll make as a practical step, is understanding the relationship I have with God uh, versus the civil authorities of the day. How should I respond to God and how should I respond to the government that's been placed um, before me? And so obviously we, we look through scripture and we see in Romans that we're supposed to pray for our government. We're supposed to we're supposed to obey that that law of the day. Now, if it's contradictory to the gospel, I understand that. That's we're called to speak up. We're called to do that, but not in the way that happened on January sixth. Uh, that is just totally and utterly wrong. It's it's a terrible response. But it just goes to show you when your heart is not rooted in the right place. These are things that that come as a result. That comes out of us. Come in response. We respond in ways. Uh, that are considered sin. or con- So I want to go ahead and, and just give a verse as an example to kind of quantify this, give an example to this uh, particular uh, response to uh, government or civil authorities. Uh, many of you have probably already heard this verse and to talk about this particular uh, argument towards that. Um, and this is in uh, Luke 20, uh, verses 20 through 25. Um, and so basically in this verse, uh, the religious, religious elite of the day, the Pharisees were trying to get Jesus caught and, and turn him into the authorities, catch him up on something uh, that he would speak towards taxes, um, taxes towards the government. They were going to ask him this question and kind of uh, be sneaky about it. So um, it says here, I'll start in verse 20. They said, so they watched him and sent spies who pretended to be sincere that they might catch him in something he said. So as to deliver him up to the authorities and jurisdiction of the governor, and that is the uh, spies of the uh, religious elite of that time, the Pharisees. Uh, so they asked him, this is continuing in verse 21, they asked him, Teacher, we know that you speak and teach rightfully and show no partiality, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful for us to give tribute to Caesar or not? But he perceived their craftiness and said to them, Show me a denarius, which is the money of that day, um, whose likeness and um, inscription does it have? And they said, Caesar. And Jesus replied, he said to them, then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. Um, so when we talk about that verse, that uh, the 25, verse 25 and Luke chapter 20, um, rendering to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. So basically, he Jesus noticed the craftiness. He noticed what they were trying to do. Uh, but Jesus is, is giving a, a, a clear picture here of the relationship between the government authority and the relationship we should have uh, to God in these matters. One is we'd render... Those taxes, basically what it's saying is rendering those taxes to Caesar because his name's on that, his face is on that. And then we respond to God and we uh, give to God the things that are God's, meaning our hearts. So 
whatever that means in government authority, whether it's taxes, we're responding to that law of that day, responding what is what is owed to the government. But then you have the other portion of that, which is what are the things uh, that we're giving to God, which is our hearts. How are we responding? Where are we rooted at in response to these things? If we were truly rooted, I believe, in this verse, then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar and to God the things that are God's. I don't think we would have probably had this issue um, arise in this particular situation uh, for those who were believers and were involved in some way somehow um, in the insurrection or uh, are buying into all these different things. Where is our heart rooted? What are we giving to God as God's? And it's ultimately our hearts. Where are we rooted? What are we rooted in? And it's ultimately Him. So I think that's a good way to sum that up. But uh, yeah. Amen. Amen. Great, great thoughts, man. Um, two last things I would leave you guys with before we really wrap up is one, we are going to continually hear talks from people in the church that rightfully so needed need to talk about this particular thing and i would i would ask you to listen past anything that makes you feel uncomfortable here white supremacy because for far too long it's it's been ignored and there there were some major white supremacy elements to the insurrection to simply ignore that it exists, that it affects parts of Christ's bride, is to be complicit in the con- the continuance of it. There are going to be people that talk about these things and continue to address injustice because there there are some racial layers to what happened on January six. My my ask is don't be offended by that. My ask is to understand. These are needed conversations. And last thing I would say, I want to really, really finish with this. God cares for Trump. God loves Trump. He created Trump. Does Trump, does Trump's character need to change? Does Trump need to repent? Yes. Does his heart need to be changed? Yes. I would say the same thing for Biden. Does God love Biden? Does God have a heart for the president in power currently? Yes, he does. He created Biden just like he created a Trump Trump in his image. Okay. Let's pray for both Trump, um, for regenerated hearts, um, in both of these men. In both of these men. Um, let's, let's support candidates. Let's vote for candidates, but let's not align with candidates. Our allegiance is to the kingdom. Our alliance, um, our alignment should be kingdom ethic. And so let's remember that going forward. Um, there's going to be some conversations that may make some people uncomfortable, but that are necessary conversations um, my ask is that you would be gracious in that 
and you would understand, come to understand that these are needed conversations. Um, nobody's calling you racist if you're white. Um, there may be people that are in the world that hold to that narrative. Um, but people in the church that are continuing to have this conversation, it's needed in the church. Um, so that, that's the last two things I would leave you with. Continue to pray for Trump and his family, and Mike Pence and his family, um, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris as they um, continue to lead our country now. Um, that, you know, his hand would be on this administration um, that... Um, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, if they don't truly know Jesus, that they would come to come to that relationship with Jesus. Um, hope you guys enjoy this episode. Um, a lot of heavy stuff, a lot of nuance. Um, but me and Kyle, me and Kyle do it out of softened hearts, out of hearts that want to bring hope, um, but also want to be, bring truth and light to these things. Um, Love you guys, each and every one of you. Um, if you like this uh, this episode and this podcast, um, make sure to leave a review, subscribe, um, share it with your friends, share it with your loved ones, and we'll catch you guys on the next episode.